When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Jesus went to hell and he suffered there and he was born again in hell. Well, I don't understand why God healed them and he won't heal me. Could it be that it's your fault, God? <laughs> was the biggest loser. Satan? No. God. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I wanted to do this video solely dedicated to Kenneth Copeland for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I wanted to compile some of the highlights or lowlights, depending upon your point of view, of the things that Kenneth Copeland has taught over the years. Uh, Kenneth Copeland is one of the most brazen heretics. He has taught some of the most blood-curdling blasphemies, heresies uh, any degenerate mind could ever dream up. Um, he is one of the most prolific false prophets ever to disgrace the name of Christ. And I'm going to show you video clips of Kenneth Copeland from decades ago and also video clips of Kenneth Copeland uh, up till this year. And uh, in, in so doing, uh, I want to show you that he has not changed. Uh, some people say, oh, well, he doesn't teach the same things that he used to teach. Oh, but he does. He hasn't changed anything. Uh, if I can give him high marks on anything at all, it would be on consistency. He is consistently wrong, but nonetheless, he is consistent. And the very fact that he hasn't changed any of his doctrine shows you that he's not regenerate because what you're about to hear cannot come from the mouth of someone who is regenerate, cannot come from the mouth of someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, many of you have heard me say this before. I'll say it again. I'm a cessationist. I believe that not all of the spiritual gifts have ceased, but only the apostolic, the sign gifts have ceased. Uh, but as a cessationist, I cede no ground to word faith people, New Apostolic Reformation people, charismatics in general. I cede no ground to the charismatic movement in my pneumatology, in my view, in my doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. As a cessationist, I do not believe that someone can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, teach the things you're about to hear, and do so not just for years, but for decades, and have no prick of conscience and not change at all. That is not someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, my view of the Holy Spirit is far too high to allow for something like that. The Holy Spirit is not a weakling. If he is strong enough to save us, he is strong enough to deliver us out of deception. And so I want you to see this as kind of like one-stop shopping in a sense for Kenneth Copeland. This is not a uh, complete compendium. Every false teaching that 
has ever crossed the lips of Kenneth Copeland, not by a long shot. This is this is not the tip of the iceberg. This is this is not even. Um, uh, I mean, this is not even a drop in the bucket to what Kenneth Copeland has taught. But it is going to be, I think, a pretty good, um, pretty good representation of the of the main heresies that Kenneth Copeland has taught. And uh, so, for each example you see in this video, you could multiply each one of those by ten thousand times, and and uh, probably just begin to get to the number of actual heresies, real number of heresies. That, that Kenneth Copeland has taught. So uh, that's that's one reason. I want you to have this resource. And so if any of you have wondered why Kenneth Copeland is so bad, or maybe you have a friend or family member who listens who follows Kenneth Copeland, send them this video and ask them to watch it. The other reason I'm doing this is for Kenneth Copeland. Mr. Copeland, if by some chance you are watching this, or someone, and I'm sure this will be the case at least, Someone close to Kenneth Copeland, someone in KCM, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, a friend of his, um, watch this. Send it to him. Send it even if even if you disagree, you're, even if you agree with everything that comes out of Kenneth, send this video to him. I want him to watch this video, and Mr. Copeland, I want you to hear my plea to you at the end of this video. I do not hate you. I've said this in other videos I've done on you. I do not hate you. I do hate what you're doing. I hate what you're doing with a passion because of the reproach that you have brought upon the name of Christ, the reproach that you have brought upon Christianity, the laughingstock you have made Christianity in the eyes of millions upon millions, untold millions of people around the world. Uh, I want you to watch this and I want I, I hate what you're doing, but I do not hate you. I want you to be saved. You're not now. You're not. If your heart were to stop beating right now, you would die and you would go straight to hell. I don't want that for you. So watch this. Mr. Copeland, if you are watching it, you know what you teach. So maybe skip to the end of this video and listen to my plea to you. Okay, dear ones. Well, here we go. Here's the first installment. This is Kenneth Copeland saying that when he reads in the Bible where he says, I am, he smiles and he says, I am too. Now, this is from yesteryear. This is from 1987. First clip. And I say this with all respect so that it don't upset you too bad. But I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Is that not shocking? Any true Christian would recoil at the sound of those words, much less being able to actually say it oneself. You cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and teach that kind of blasphemy. But uh, lest you think this is something he no longer teaches, watch this video clip from last year as of this recording, 2021, at the Southwest Believers Convention. Let this mind be in you. Let this be the way you think. Let this mind be in you, which was also 
in the anointed Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And you do not think it robbery. You don't, it, it's not taking anything away from God. Right. To be equal with our Father. To be equal with our Lord Jesus. He's the one that caused it to happen. And our good God said, oh yeah, they're my children. Of course they're equal to me. I gave birth to them. Yep. Kenneth Copeland teaching that we as Christians are equal to God. That was not unclear. That was not ambiguous. He said that we are equal to God. In fact, he puts words in God's mouth. Say, of course they're equal to me. They're my children. I gave birth to them. He said that he made that claim multiple times just in this one sermon. Watch. Now, <laughs> they'll take you off the radio for this. Right. And uh, social media, uh, uh, don't you be saying this, that you're equal with God. Or, or what, oh, what's the matter with you? Your ugly, nasty self. Equal with God. <laughs> Clear enough. We are equal to God. And then he, he, he acknowledges that he said, people will take you off the radio for saying this. It's got me in a lot of trouble. Don't put you put it on social media. And yet it continues. So it's not that he, he, it's not that he doesn't realize that people have issues with this. It's not that it hasn't been brought to his attention. Oh, it has on myriads of occasions, and he knows it. So he's heard the criticism, and he doesn't care. He mocks it. In fact, watch this. You know, he's really about to, to just mock it. <laughs> Come here, Jesse. Now, now I, you know, I give Jesse a hard time, but he's deserved. No, 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 he's a good guy. And <laughs> nobody can do that bad cat as good as you. Oh, look at it. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings in Jesse Duplantis to mock the criticism, mock those who push back on this to to their to the horror of their own eternal destiny. They just mock it. You see, this is this is why I say they're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. See, a, a real Christian, a genuine born again Christian, a Holy Spirit indwelt Christian, can be in error can even be in serious error, as was Peter, for an example, the Apostle Peter. But when confronted with the truth, when a genuine Christian sees the truth from Scripture, from the prophetic word made more certain, when they see the truth in black and white in Scripture, in the Bible, right in front of them, they see it, a genuine Christian bends the knee. To that truth. They admit that they were wrong as Peter did. They repent as Peter did. They don't mock the correction. 
They accept the correction. They don't mock it. Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, they mock it. And this, this little God's doctrine, this is, you've heard me say it before, this is at the heart of the word faith movement. It's at the heart of the prosperity gospel. Oh, I tell you what. They get the fur up their back on that. How do I know? Because that's what they crucified Jesus for. Uh-huh. Right. Who does he think he is calling himself the son of God? Let's kill him. Yes, Kenneth, because Jesus actually was and is God. He could make that claim because he was and is today and always has been, by the way, God. You're not. I'm not. No human is. Watch this clip from the same sermon as Kenneth Copeland talks about the day he supposedly got saved and what that meant for him. And when I cried out to God with one simple phrase, Jesus, come into my heart on the second day of November, 1962, the scepter of righteousness was pointed at me and I became equal with Jesus. So my words in the court of heaven count. Kenneth Copeland flat out states that the day he supposedly got saved, he became equal with Jesus. And by extension, every Christian is equal to Jesus. In fact, Kenneth Hagin, the father of the modern word of faith movement, says this. Every man who has been born again is an incarnation Christianity is a miracle. The believer is as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, that's a lie. Christianity is a miracle. The new birth is a miracle. But to say that the believer, every believer, is just as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth, that's a lie. That's a lie. But this... It is, it is common through the word faith movement to diminish the deity and the glory of God and to deify man. And their deification of man begins with the first man, Adam. They teach that when Adam was on this earth, God literally reproduced himself in Adam. Adam was a carbon copy of Yahweh. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean a reproduction of himself. And in the Garden of Eden, he did that. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not... um, subordinate to God even. And Adam is as much like God as you could get. Just the same as Jesus when he came into the earth he said if you've seen me you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. Adam was God was Yahweh 
manifested in the flesh in the Garden of Eden. Adam was another Yahweh, which of course begs the question because we all know what Adam did, right? He sinned. Well, if Adam was Yahweh and he sinned, was it Yahweh who sinned? You see, you carry these doctrines out to their logical conclusion, and you see how dark, how heretical, how blasphemous they really are. That was an audio clip of Kenneth Copeland from back in 1989. Lest you think that is something he no longer teaches. Watch this from, again, last year as of this recording, 2021. Kenneth Copeland is at David Oyedepo's church. David Oyedepo is a word faith preacher in Nigeria. He may be the wealthiest preacher on the planet, even wealthier than Kenneth Copeland. But watch, watch this. God had given Adam absolute authority over this planet and his own, his own created son. Notice he referred to Adam as God's own created son. Difference, Adam was not the son of God. Jesus is the son and the only son of God. Um, I'll play that again so you can hear it. Here we go. God had given Adam absolute authority over this planet and his own his own created son committed high treason and bowed his knee to the devil and the devil took over. Adam had a leash on this earth and as such he was literally the God of this world. Adam was the literal God of this world. They he literally teaches that Adam was a carbon copy of Yahweh, could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with God without any consciousness of inferiority whatsoever. That quote is in my head. I think it's Kenneth Copeland. may have been Hagen, but anyway, I have to look it up. But, uh, but Adam was another Yahweh. And, of course, Adam fell, Adam sinned. And given the fact that Adam sinned, guess who... Kenneth Copeland says, is the biggest failure in the Bible. Not Adam. You know, everybody asks, you say, who's the biggest failure? They say, Judas. Somebody else will say, no, I believe it's Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. Beast in the old Bible's God. <laughs> Don't you turn that set off. <laughs> you listen to it. You, I told you now, you sit still a minute. You know me well enough. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell something I can't prove with the Bible. He lost his top ranking most anointed angel. The first man he ever created. First woman he ever created. The whole earth. And all the fullness therein, a third of the angels at least. That's a big loss, man. I mean, you figure all that, that's a lot of real estate, brother. Gone down the drain. Now, the reason.
reason you don't think of God as a failure is he never said he's a failure. <laughs> no. And you're not a failure till you say you're one. Can you believe that? He literally said that God is the biggest failure in the Bible. And the only reason we don't think of God as a failure is because he never said he was. He just God just never had the the integrity, quite honestly, to own up to actually being the biggest failure in the Bible. But in reality, you see, he really was. Because Kenneth Copeland said, well, and you're not a failure till you say you're one. So so um, he, he really well, he was the biggest failure in the Bible. He just didn't have enough decency to own up to it. If, if that was the only heretical clip that I had of Copeland, that would be enough. If, if that was the only problematic clip, that, that clip right there would be enough in and of itself to completely write off Kenneth Copeland entirely. Now, that is an old clip. That was from, I believe, 1989. Uh, so you think, oh, that's a long time ago. You know, he, he doesn't teach that anymore, does he? Who was the biggest loser? Satan? No. God. God lost his man. God lost the woman he created with his own hands. God had given Adam absolute authority over this planet. Same thing. The only difference is that in the old audio clip, he called, he said, God is the biggest failure. And this one says, God is the biggest loser. It's just unbelievable. You, you cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and teach such things. But I want us to, uh, and again, this is a very cursory, I'm just hitting a few of the low points, some of the main low points in Kenneth Copeland's theology, some of the main issues. Uh, okay, dear ones, a little station break here because uh, last night, Woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, man, I need to get that in my video. And so I'm glad I had that thought before I've finalized the editing here. So several of my critics have pushed back against me and they say, oh, Justin says they believe X, Y, Z. But here, look, here's a screenshot of their statement of faith. The opposite of what Justin says, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Not only for the word faith churches, people trying to defend them, but also... Uh, some Baptist churches who, for example, baptize homosexuals. More on that later. But anyway, um, here's what you need to know about statements of faith. False teachers often teach against their own statements of faith. And you think, oh, well, why would they do that? Well, very simply, false teachers are not exactly known for their character and integrity, are they? What are false teachers? They are wolves. How do wolves dress? In sheep's clothing. So false teachers, false churches, often teach against their own statements of faith. And when you go to the websites of any of these false teachers, uh, you will find a very basic statement of faith. Um, now, interestingly, for Jesse Duplantis, I actually went to his website. I couldn't even find 
a doctrinal statement on Jesse Duplantis's website and found several places where you can donate and buy his stuff. But um, I could not. Now, maybe it's there somewhere tucked away. I Honestly, I could not find it. I went all over the website. So at any rate, uh, but most of them do have a some kind of a statement of faith, and it would pass a basic doctrinal smell test, and they put these statements of faith up there just to give themselves some plausible deniability, theologically speaking. They say, oh, you can't accuse me of being a heretic. Look here, look at my statement of faith. It's perfectly orthodox. See, that's laughable. Uh, it's absolutely laughable. In fact, I want to show you how laughable this is. Uh, I took a screenshot of Kenneth Copeland's statement of faith, and um, there's part of it right there. It's it's a it's a very short statement of faith, very basic. And when I say basic, I mean I'm talking kindergarten basic, romper room. Let's pull out the crayons and the finger paint kind of a doctrinal statement. Um, hardly any scripture references here. I think he has one or two a little bit further down. But very short, very basic stuff. And um, <laughs> and here's the thing. Kenneth Copeland didn't even write this. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even read it. Uh, and I can prove to you he didn't write it because this doctrinal statement, this statement of faith, is being used by many, many different churches. Same thing with First Baptist Orlando. Um their statement of faith is a copied and pasted statement of faith that's being used by all kinds of different churches from all stripes of uh, all denominational stripes: um, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, um, Anglican, Lutheran. I mean, just charismatic word faith. Who cares? It's just a basic, weak sauce statement of faith. Uh, just a few, a quick Google search. Let me show you this. So. Um, I've circled in red here. On the left is Kenneth Copeland's statement of faith. On the right is a statement of faith from some church called Faith Outreach. Um, word for word, exactly the same. Copied and pasted. Uh, so let's let me show you this. This is from some other church. Name of it escapes me right now. But uh, this is some other church. Uh, statement of faith. Kenneth Copeland on the left. Whoever this church is on the right, forgot the name of it, whatever. Um, word for word, uh, uh, word for word, exactly the same. Uh, let's let me show you this uh, again. KCM on the left. This is Jerry Savell's statement of faith on the right. Now Jerry Savell is one of Kenneth, one of Kenneth Copeland's good buddies. He speaks at the Southwest Believers Convention every single year. Um, they're thick as thieves. Word for word, copied and pasted. I know the font there is kind of small. It's just the way the screenshot came out. But trust me, it is word for word the same. Kenneth Copeland didn't write this. Jerry Savelle didn't write this. Um, so where does this particular statement of faith come from? Well, I'm not exactly sure. But it appears to be a, an adaptation of the Apostles' Creed. Let me show you this. Um, again, KCM on the left. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, from the Apostles' Creed. So this is, <laughs> this is being used by Catholics. And I have highlighted here, it's, it's not 100% word for word, but each colored highlight corresponds. So yellow in the left, for example, KCM, 
is uh, matches the yellow on the right in the Roman Catholic Church. So you can see, I mean, go through them, the yellow to yellow, green to green, uh, pastel blue to pastel blue, hot pink or whatever that is, uh, orange, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a loose adaptation of the Apostles' Creed. That's all it is. I mean, you talk about weak sauce. You talk about just color within the lines, finger painting kind of stuff. I like doctrinal statements, but I like detailed doctrinal statements. Go to my website. I have a detailed doctrinal statement that I wrote. Um, any, any true church, any real church should have a detailed doctrinal statement. Not this romper room, Captain Kangaroo kind of statement of faith. And those kind of statements of faith mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing. Same thing with Joel Osteen, by the way. You can go to Lakewood Church's website and you would find, I haven't looked at it, but I've looked at it before, but it's a, it's a, it may even be this exact same one, I don't know, but a very basic, you know, very basic um, statement of faith. That would affirm that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Funny thing, though, is Joel Osteen, on multiple occasions, has denied the exclusivity of Christ. Um, and for my critics out there, I wouldn't recommend you challenging me on that. Uh, so anyway, um, th this proves absolutely nothing. If you're looking for, if you want to know if a, a particular person can be trusted to be a sound expositor of God's word, uh, yeah, go to their statement of faith. But if you if you find something like this, this copied and pasted, copied and pasted adaptation of the Apostles' Creed, and that's all it is, and it's being used by a million other churches out there, um, that that's a huge red flag. So, sorry to all my critics out there, I'm not impressed with your little screenshots of uh, KCM's statement of faith. I want you to hear what he says about. Jesus Christ specifically, who Jesus is and where the atonement of our sins actually took place. He was manifested in the flesh in Bethlehem, made alive in the spirit in hell. Now, if that doesn't jolt you, if that doesn't just give you the 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 absolute creeps not only what he said which is bad enough that Jesus was made alive in hell the way he said it let's watch again he was manifested in the flesh in Bethlehem made alive in the spirit in hell and he became the firstborn from the dead. God, I'll tell you, that just, that just still gets all over me. I, I, the firstborn. <sighs> Jesse's in there. Jerry's in there. Kathy's in there. Even old Flashpoint there is in there. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Jesus became the firstborn of the dead, and therefore we are just like Jesus. He said, Jerry's in there, Jesse's in there, referring to Jerry Savelle, Jesse Duplantis, even old Flashpoint, that's one of the channels they have at uh, KCM. Uh, so every Christian is 
just like Jesus, just like Jesus, who atoned for our sins in hell. Now, lest you think I overstate their case, lest you think I am being hyperbolic and they don't, Kenneth Copeland doesn't really teach that we are just like Jesus. This is a prophecy. What I'm about to show you, I'm about to show you a graphic, read you a quote from Kenneth Copeland. This is supposedly a prophecy given to him directly by none other than Jesus Christ himself. The following supposedly are the words of Jesus Christ to Kenneth Copeland. Let's take a look. Quote, unquote, Jesus said to Kenneth Copeland, and I quote, Don't be disturbed when people accuse you of thinking you are God. Don't be disturbed when people accuse you of a fanatical way of life. Don't be disturbed when people put you down and speak harshly and roughly of you. They spoke that way of me, should they not speak that way of you? The more you get to be like me, the more they're going to think that way of you. They crucified me for claiming that I was God. But I didn't claim I was God. I just claimed I walked with him and that he was in me. Hallelujah. That's what you're doing. Excuse me? Kenneth Copeland says that Jesus told him, I didn't claim I was God? Are you serious? Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am taking the name of God and applying it to himself. Are you kidding me? Dear friends, there, there's only a couple of different possibilities here. Either Kenneth Copeland is making this up, making this prophecy up out of whole cloth. It's just a product of his own vain twisted imagination and he's he's flat out lying to you either that and that ain't good because if he's just flat out lying to you he's not qualified to be in the ministry putting words in god's mouth that he did not say he's just if so he's either lying or he is so deluded uh and just out of his mind he's got no business being in the pulpit which I don't think he's crazy. That, I'm not going to get into that. But no, I don't think Kenneth Copeland is crazy. I don't think he's deluded in a sense of insane. So I don't think that's a possibility. So he is either lying or some being did say these words to him, but it wasn't Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. If some other entity, if some other being gave him these words then Kenneth Copeland is up to his eyeballs in demonic deception. As in demon-possessed. There are very few options here, and ain't none of them good. Ain't none of them good. This also from Kenneth Copeland. The goodness of God to love a mess like me. Wow. But... He changed that mess. Yes. Right? The day I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Right. He's no longer the only begotten Son of God. He's the firstborn from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> the firstborn of many brethren. Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. Friends, that's stunning. 
That is absolutely stunning. Kenneth Copeland believes that he and every other Christian is also an only begotten son of God. Dear friends, as Christians, you and I have been adopted into the family of God through the merits of Christ, his person and his work on the cross, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. We have been adopted into the family of God. But we are not the only begotten son of God. We are children of God, but we are not the only begotten son. There is only one, only begotten son of God. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever should believe in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. We're children of God, we're in his family, but we are not in the Greek monogenes. We are not the only begotten, only unique Son of God. That is a that is that has always been, is now, and forever will be throughout all of eternity future, a title reserved, a position reserved for Christ. When we die and go to heaven, we will be without sin, we will be in perfect worship of, fellowship with in service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but we are not going to be equal to him. We are not ever going to be equal to Christ or to God. That is absolute blasphemy, what you just heard. And it's not an isolated statement, by the way. It's not an isolated statement. Some of you have seen my seminar, Clouds Without Water. You've seen the clip of Larry Huck and Paula White in which... Uh, Larry Huck said the exact same thing, and Paula White's giving her, you know, nodding approval to it. This is this is not an isolated thing in the word faith movement. Kenneth Copeland's famous for it, but others have said it too. We know that Jesus went to hell. A lot of people have trouble with that. Sure do. I got in a lot of trouble for preaching it. He says he got in a lot of trouble for preaching it. Rightly so. And yet he continues to. I mean, his teaching that Jesus died in hell and was reborn. Say what you want to, but literally had to get saved. He got reborn in hell. And that is where the atonement of our sins took place. That is that is a staple teaching of Kenneth Copeland. It is the air he breathes. And yet he, he, so this is not a one-off. He continues to, he's been called on it, and yet he continues to teach it. That is not someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. I'll say more on that uh, here in just a second, but let's continue with the clip. And uh, it was an evening service. And I, I, you know, I just preached Mark 11, 23, 24, and 25, and, and I got over into that Jesus went to hell and he suffered there, and, and, and then he was born again in hell and rose from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus was born again in hell. Previous video I did, I, I made this comment that you cannot say such things like if I were to even say that, if those words for if I if my brain were to misfire for some reason, and for some reason that I cannot even comprehend, 
the words crossed my lips, Jesus was born again in hell, I would stop in my tracks. I would literally feel the the DNA in my cells ripping apart. That is such a blasphemous statement. And yet Kenneth Copeland teaches it, has taught it for decades. With vigor and enthusiasm, he's been called on it. He knows people have trouble with it. He doesn't care. He goes full steam ahead. That is not someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. For if he were, the Holy Spirit of God would bring him under such conviction that he, the Holy Spirit, would drop Kenneth Copeland to his knees. And yet he continues to teach this heresy with reckless abandon. No prick of conscience. As a cessationist, I cede no ground to the charismatics in my view of the person and the work and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Friends, Jesus did not pay for our sins in hell. I don't even believe he went to hell. That's a whole other topic of conversation I don't want to spend the time on right now. But bare minimum, he did not atone for sin in hell. Even if you believe he went there to make some kind of proclamation of victory, which that's, again, that's another video. He did not atone for sins in hell. I mean, two statements that are so crystal clear from Christ himself on the cross. What did he say to the thief? Today you will be with me where? In paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Not here we go to hell. Today you will be with me in paradise. And then what else? Three words. In English anyway. It is finished to tell us die it is finished jesus work of atonement was completed on the cross it is finished something that you'll notice about every cult every cult disparages the cross of jesus christ that it somehow just is not enough to atone for sins Mormonism just disparages it. Jehovah's Witnesses disparage it. Roman Catholicism disparages the cross of Christ because of their doctrine of the mass and all that kind of stuff. Again, it's another video. Um, But to say that Christ's work on the cross was not enough, that he actually had to be born again in hell, that is blasphemy of the highest order and cannot be said by someone who is truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now let's shift gears a little bit to the prophetic. Kenneth Copeland has offered, oh my goodness, I mean, more false prophecies than you could even count. Um, Deal with just a, a couple here. One of the more famous or infamous ones is when he banished COVID-19 on March the 30th, 2020. We'll exercise judgment right now. Because we have... In the name of Jesus! Oh, thank you, Jesus. I always kind of chuckle at that point in that video because 
Kenneth, <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, without any warning, goes immediately goes into his prophetic declaration mode of executing judgment on COVID-19. You can tell it catches George Pearsons, who's his son-in-law, by the way. It, it catches George kind of off guard. He goes, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, I better get in on this. So, anyway, I digress. Let's get back to our uh, regularly scheduled false prophecy. Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. I call you done. I call you done gone. You come down from your place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more. No more. No more. It. No more. Is. Finished. Finished. It. Is. Over. And the United States of America. Is healed. And well. Thank you. Again. Praise. Saith. The mighty. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Peace, who is also the Prince of War, the Lord Jesus Christ. When oppressive, mean, nasty people attack his people, when mean, oppressive, nasty diseases attack his people, George. The Prince of Peace takes his place. And he becomes the mighty man of war. Thank you. Spirit life of COVID-19 has dried up. It's dead. It's dead. It's, it's dead. done. It has ceased. Yes. It has ceased to exist. Yes. It's beginning to shrivel. Yes. COVID-19 is done. It's dead. It's ceased to exist. It's beginning to shrivel. <laughs> now, I'm not a smart man, but if it's already dead, if it's already done, if it's already gone and over and ceased to exist, how is it beginning to shrivel? I don't know. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure that out. But anyway, let's go back to the uh, false prophecy. At exactly 12 noon on the 29th day of March. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Come it's on, over. give God glory and praise and honor for this. It's, it's over. over. It's oh, over. it's over.
that is so cringe. Uh, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed for him. And I'm, <laughs> can you watch the language, body language of George Pearson's? Uh, you could tell he was, um, I think he was less than convinced that this thing was going to work. And, and obviously, of course, it did not. And um, so just, a, yeah, just embarrassing. But then just a few days later, this was on April the 3rd of 2020, Kenneth, Co <laughs> Kenneth Copeland was hosting a virtual campaign, virtual because by that time, back in 2020, um, the government had shut down all large gatherings. You couldn't have more than like 10 people in a room together. And so they had to, their, their conference that they had scheduled, they had to go all virtual, online. And then Kenneth Copeland decided just a few days later, he's going to banish it again, this time using a heat wave that he himself would conjure up because the thinking at that time is that the virus doesn't like heat. And if it would just get hot, then it would um, melt COVID away, even though it had already been banished a few days before at high noon. But uh, whatever, let's give this another shot, shall we? I heard the Lord say this to me several weeks ago. Kenneth, you believe me for a heat wave. That's a lie. It's a provable lie. He did not hear God speak to him and say several weeks before and say, uh, you believe me for a heat wave because the purpose of this supposed heat wave that Kenneth Copeland's about to conjure up was to kill COVID-19, which he supposedly did four days ago. It's just a lie. But this goes back to what I say. That these false prophets, these word faith, vast majority of charismatic people, not all in fairness, but the vast majority, it's just not a big deal to put words in God's mouth he didn't say. It's just not a big deal. Well, this is backwards from, <laughs> from what I've done before. I said, yeah, I see it, Lord. I see it. I walked out in my backyard, and I did the very same thing I do against those storms and against those tornadoes. Why didn't you do that for Hurricane Ian a couple weeks ago? And I spoke it in the name of Jesus. I call for a strong south wind. I call for a strong high pressure system. I call for a supernatural heat wave all over this nation and anywhere else in the world where it is needed. He went on to conjure up a heat wave all across the United States to kill COVID-19. I documented this in a video that I did a couple of years ago, but literally like the day after he conjured up this heat wave, a, an extremely strong cold front came through the central part of the United States all the way through Texas. It set record low highs if not record, really close. I've got a document in my video, but the, the high temperature for the next day was literally like 30 degrees below normal. I mean, you, you, you can't even make this stuff up. So you may be wondering, did he have any explanation 
in this video for why his prophetic declaration of the execution of judgment against COVID-19 did not work just a few days before. Um, he did, kind of. Let's hear what he had to say. you got to love this. Those of you that saw that last Sunday, oh, I'm telling you, it, it, it was so strong in me and on me, just the spirit of God and judgment over this thing. Just bring judgment down on this thing. And it was so strong in me. It, it, I, I, I don't know how to explain that. Just that prophetic anointing and just, just fury at this thing. He said that he just had such a strong prophetic anointing on him. Well, he obviously didn't because it didn't work. And then he lied about hearing from God a few weeks before to conjure up a heat wave and all of a sudden. You can watch the video. I mean, it's, it was a pathetic, pathetic attempt to try to explain away how he utterly beclowned himself. Um, but the serious issue here is he, even in his trying to explain it away, he blames God for it. He, he literally blames God for his own failure. Again, that is not someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And some of you watching this, you may have, have noticed uh, what many others have noticed and what I have noticed about Kenneth Copeland. And the people, I hear this all the time, there's just something about his eyes. And there is. There is just something about his eyes. He is dark. Um, I truly believe that, uh, can, that there are times where I really believe that Kenneth Copeland is demon-possessed. I genuinely believe that. It's just something about his eyes. So, One other example of a false prophecy is Kenneth Copeland's prophecy that Donald Trump would serve a second consecutive term in the White House. Now, Kenneth Copeland is by no means alone in this. Every, like literally every single one of the charismatic prophets, 100% of them, prophesied that Donald Trump would serve a second consecutive term in the White House. Well, obviously that didn't happen. But even after Joe Biden was certified as having won the election, regardless of what you think may or may not have gone on, that's not the point. The point is, is that Kenneth Copeland got it wrong, and even after it was obvious that Joe Biden was going to be our next president, unfortunately, uh, Kenneth Copeland maintain that Donald Trump would still serve that second consecutive term. Watch this video. This was recorded after Joe Biden had already been certified and was literally just a, a, a week or so away, a week or two away from taking residence in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Associated Press said that Joe Biden is president. Ha! Mouse is going to be king. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
cringe, right? And of course, one of the things for which Kenneth Copeland is most well known is his wealth. He is extraordinarily wealthy. He brags about being a billionaire with a B. Uh, so maybe with a downturn in the economy, stock market pretty low right now, maybe not, but he has hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he ain't hurting, put it that way. Watch this clip as he talks about how he first learned about biblical prosperity. Jerry and I started out the same way. We didn't have anything. When I told Gloria that, glory to God, the first partner service I was ever in, and, and that I heard Oral Roberts preach that, and, and I thought, I had to be a partner. I have to do this. And I, I got home. I was so excited. I said, Gloria, we're, gonna, we're a partner with Oral Roberts for $10 a month. She looked at me. She said, where in the world are we going to get $10 a month? And I realized she hadn't heard the message. I said, sit down, girl. And I preached it just as close as I could get. Got to the end of the very uh, the end of it. I said, Gloria, we can have Oral Roberts anointing for $10 a month. <laughs> so all those many decades ago, Kenneth Copeland excitedly says to his wife, Gloria, Gloria, we can have the anointing of Oral Roberts for $10 a month. And, um, they started doing that and have not looked back since. And so many of you, maybe most of you right now watching this, you're thinking, wow, you know, having the anointing of someone else for $10 a month, well, that just kind of rings a bell with me. Isn't there something in the book of Acts, something, some a story that is kind of similar to that? Indeed, indeed, very similar to that. And it's found in Acts chapter 8. Philip and Peter are in the city of Samaria. They're preaching. They're performing signs and wonders. So let's pick this up. Uh, verse 18. Uh, the magician saw Philip and Simon, or Philip and Peter, performing these signs and wonders, and says he believed. Uh, believe the gospel was baptized. But let's look at verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit had been bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you supposed you could obtain the gift of God with money. That, that should strike terror in the heart of Kenneth Copeland as he relayed that story of him and Gloria, all, all those many decades ago. That should strike terror in his heart, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, Peter turned to Simon and said, may your money perish with you. I mean, it doesn't bother Kenneth because his conscience is seared. He has a seared conscience, and that is a fundamental characteristic of false prophets and false teachers. Their consciences are seared. Now watch this clip from Kenneth Copeland as he talks about another incident, another event in the book of Acts. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now you could get into that. That I don't, that's not necessary now. So he's reading 
Acts 3, when Peter says, silver and gold have I none. And he says, well, you know, just with his eyes down, you, you know, you could uh, get into that. You know, the reason he's so uncomfortable reading that is because he knows it stands in direct opposition to his theology. But in fairness to Kenneth Copeland, that's not the first time he's had to deal with Acts chapter 3, silver and gold have I none. In fact, he dealt with it back in the 1980s at a Believer's Convention with Oral Roberts. Now, watch. Brother Copeland, would you come and stand in my place? Lori, would you come and stand in Evan's place? Evan, would you come stand by me? <laughs> there, Brother Copeland, and your dear wife, Lori, would you look at us? Look on us. Hey. Silver and gold have we plenty. <laughs> everybody mocking it. Silver and gold, indeed, do they have plenty, because another mark of false teachers is greed. Peter says, the Apostle Peter says, they in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They will make merchandise out of you. And indeed, Kenneth Copeland, and Or Roberts is dead now, but Kenneth Copeland and all these other word faith false teachers, they are making merchandise out of God's people. Silver and gold, do they indeed have plenty? And maybe you're wondering, you saw the, the huge crowd. And when and when Oral Roberts said that, they stood up to literally give them a standing ovation. Sometimes I'm asked, why do they have such a massive following? Why do people follow these word faith false teachers who are living lifestyles of the rich and famous and, you know, they fly in private jets and all that. Why, why do they follow them? Because one of the reasons is because false teachers are in and of themselves part of God's judgment. You need to understand that. False teachers are in and of themselves part of God's judgment upon people. People who will not endure sound doctrine but rather will just heap to themselves teachers who tickle the ears, who tell them what they want to hear. False teachers are part of God's judgment. And what I want to do in my ministry and others who um, you know, have, if you want to call them discernment ministries, what we, are, what we are wanting to do is we are wanting to reach the few scattered lost sheep in these massive um, false churches, you know, millions of people following these false teachers. We're trying to reach uh, some of those lost sheep and, and pull them out of the deception and show them the true shepherd. Not uh, not a false shepherd, not, not a false Jesus, but the true Jesus. But silver and gold, do they indeed have plenty? Watch, watch this clip. <laughs> now, we're part of the name it, claim it, 
reap it. Yes. That's who we are. Well, and George, hey, we named it, claimed it, blabbed it, grabbed it, and we have it. We do have it. We're the one with the airplane. Yeah. Suh. Yeah. Yeah. Airplane, suh. Suh. I've had people take offense at me talking about the name it and claim it gospel, the blab it and grab it. Well, you just heard Kenneth Copeland himself gladly um, assuming that title with with great pride and satisfaction. And he talks, brags about his, he says, we're the ones with the planes, uh, planes. Uh. Indeed, he does have planes. Uh. He has several planes, uh, several, at least two, at least two private jets and uh, a couple other planes that he has. One is a, like an early World War II era oh, fighter plane that he just flies around in for fun. I've been in his hangar before. I've actually sat in his private jet before, but that's another story um, about 11 years ago. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, incredible wealth, incredible wealth, planes, uh, uh, fleets of ski boats and motorcycles and fancy cars and these people live in massive homes, parsonages, mind you. Uh, huge, palatial. Uh, I believe Kenneth Copeland's home is 18,000 square feet. I believe Jesse Duplantis' home is 35,000 square feet. Wealth like you can't even imagine. Like few of us, I certainly can't. Imagine. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. You know where a lot of this money comes from? I'll tell you. It comes from poor people. Comes from sick people. Comes from elderly people. Because one of the standard teachings of bread and butter, again, this is the air they breathe. Sow a seed, reap a harvest. If you're in debt, give me your money. God will get you out of debt if you'll just give me what little money you got left. Give it to me and God will get you out of debt. Oh, you have cancer? <laughs> Sow that seed. Give me your money. Give me money and God will heal you of cancer. Oh, you've got a sick child? Your kid is sick? <laughs> the bigger miracle you need, the bigger monetary seed you'd better sow. So if you've got a sick kid, if you've got a kid dying of cancer, yeah, you should really give me your money. I'm not being hyperbolic. This is standard fare. This is the air they breathe. It's what they teach all the time. Kenneth Copeland teaches this all the time. One day, these false teachers will have to stand before a holy God. Kenneth Copeland, if you're watching, one day, and that day's coming pretty quickly for you, given that you're 85 years old. You're not going to live to 120, by the way, like you think. You're not. You're going to have to stand before a thrice holy God and give an account for what you have been doing to poor, sick, desperate people and what you've been doing to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reproach that you have brought upon it. I want to show you one other clip, and then I'm going to close with the gospel. Um, people have said, well, aren't some people healed in these meetings? 
The only healings that ever take place in these meetings are psychosomatic healings, mind over body, stuff that you can't see, things that you can get temporary relief from with just a temporary rush of adrenaline, rush of emotion. It's the placebo effect. It's well documented in the medical literature. Those kind of healings take place all the time in Word Faith Churches, Word Faith Meetings. But uh, I've been to a bunch of these things. I've been to 18 Benny Hinn Crusades. I've been to six or seven Kenneth Copeland conferences, Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen's church. I've been to Jesse Duplantis meetings. I've been to Creflo Dollar's church. I've been to a lot of them, some other local names that you wouldn't have heard of in all likelihood. But I've been to a lot of these things. I've talked to a lot of people. I've taken a lot of notes. Um, I have yet to see anyone who has been truly healed of, and I mean an organic healing, a true healing that is undeniable, irrefutable. Healing is like we see in the book of Acts with the lame instantly walking and running like a deer or the dead being raised. I mean, real miracles that are performed by real apostles who can perform real signs and wonders. These people can't. Um, when they come up to people who are truly sick and they try to avoid them as much as possible, but when they come up to people who are truly sick and obviously that they're sick, obviously crippled, it doesn't go well. Watch. In the name of Jesus. Gloria, come around and get on this. Now you do just what I did. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be thou made whole. Be thou made whole. Take it now. Take it now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Take it. It's healed. His wholeness, his strength, his ability to walk and to run. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is a big day. Big day. It is over. It's over. It is over. Thank you, Lord. God loves you. This is a big day. It's over. It wasn't over. That man left in the same wheelchair he came in on. We, we were going to have some changes in this spot. Oh, yes. Thank Amen. You, Thank you, Lord. Amen. I command her body to be loose, yes. to be Amen. free, to be healed, to be restored. <laughs> Thank to you, the top Lord. of her head, to the soles of her feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. She's free. We call her free in Jesus' name and healed everything about Glory her. Glory to God. No, no bad sickness, no sickness, no disease. Glory, glory, Made whole glory, by the glory, power of the glory, living God. Glory. Jesus is our healer. Glory Untangled. to God. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Fingers. Be loosed in the name of yeah, Jesus. Amen. Be normal in the name yeah, of Jesus. Amen. Work right in Jesus. Yes, amen. Jesus gave her these fingers, and we call them healed. Yep. He gave her healed fingers. Healed fingers. Glory to God. Healed body. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Is that not gut-wrenching? That poor lady with a presumed to be severe cerebral palsy, same condition I've got, just a lot, a lot worse. There's no hope in what Kenneth and Gloria were saying to her. They were just manipulating her emotions, giving her false hope. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your fingers are healed. You know, I declare healing. I declare no sickness. Stop your stupid declarations, Gloria and Kenneth, because they don't work ever. You're exploiting. Oh, I'm sure these people have no doubt that at some point in that service, there was a, an, an overture, a strong overture for money to sow a seat because they do it every single time. It, it is, uh, it's, it's gut-wrenching. These people leave in the same condition that they came in with. Um, but they're told that it's the reason they're sick, it's their fault because it's always God's will to be healed. You just got to have enough faith. You just got to have to receive it. You, just, you have to receive it. It's, it's, it's all on you. So if you leave in that wheelchair, if you leave with that cancer, if you leave with that sick kid, that's on you, Jack. It's your fault. And I'm not being hyperbolic at all. Well, I don't understand why God healed them and he won't heal me. Could it be? by some stretch of the imagination. Oh, probably not, but could it be? That is your fault, not God's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that's real funny, Kenneth. You laugh at that. You laugh. You mock people who are sick, saying it's their fault. Dear friends, there is no hope in the word faith movement. There is no hope in that false gospel. It is nothing but cruel to lead people on and tell them that it's always God's will to be healed as long as they have enough faith, as long as they make the right positive confessions, as long as they sow enough seed. And it's like the proverbial carrot being dangled in front of them on a stick. They keep going after it, never reach it. But you know what? Even if, even if God does heal someone, and he does, okay, hear me. I believe that God not only can, but on occasion does still physically heal people today. I've seen a couple of really, really credible, real credible um, examples of God healing people miraculously. I have no problem with that. But it is not always God's will for us to be healed. It's not. There are too many examples of faithful servants of God in Scripture who were sick and were never healed, not until they were glorified. And so it's cruel to tell people the reason you're sick is you don't have enough faith. You haven't made the right positive confessions. You haven't given me enough money. Again, this is the bread and butter of the word faith movement. 
sometimes there is something better than being healed. And that is knowing God's sufficient grace. His strength made perfect in our weaknesses. And sometimes God is most glorified in us. Not when things are going well. Not when there's plenty of money in the bank. Not when our bodies are tip-top shape and hitting on all eight cylinders and we're young and healthy and everything's great. Sometimes God is most glorified in us when we suffer when we're persecuted, and yes, when we are sick. And yet through the suffering, through the persecution, through the sickness, we remain faithful to God. We speak well of Him. We seek to glorify Christ. I know that that is a concept that is far into the word faith movement. I know. I get it. It is. But it is right at home in the Bible. It is right at home in the Bible. It is thoroughly biblical to say that sometimes God is most glorified in us when we suffer. Let me read the New Testament. You know, the the lives of the apostles was not exactly a life of luxury and opulence. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, For to you it has not only been granted to believe in Christ, but to suffer for his sake. Suffering is not easy. It's not enjoyable. Trials are not enjoyable. That's why they're called trials. So I don't deny that that uh, trials are not enjoyable. I don't deny that uh, that we want relief from those trials. But it is the mature Christian who understands that suffering is oftentimes for our own benefit, to bring us to the end of ourselves, to make us lean harder on God and His sovereignty, and ultimately to glorify Christ and to adorn the gospel. So uh, I want to come to the end of this. Kenneth, if by some chance you are watching, um, again, I do not hate you. I hate what you're doing. I hate that you have wasted your life preaching a false Jesus and a false gospel, teaching heresy and blasphemy, bringing reproach upon the name of Christ, exploiting the poor and the sick and the widows for your personal financial gain to live a life of extreme opulence. What a wasted life. But I don't hate you. You're coming to the end of your life. You're not going to make it to 120 years old. You're not. Your life is going to come to an end pretty soon. And I want you to be in heaven. If you were to die right now, you would not go to heaven. You can't be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and teach the things you teach and do the things you do. You can't. It's not possible. So here's the true gospel, Kenneth. You are a sinner. You have broken God's laws. You should at least see that you have given myriads of false prophecies, put words in God's mouth that he never said, And God does not take that lightly. You should tremble at doing that to God. You should tremble before him. But there is a way for you to escape his wrath. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life, fully God, fully man. And this God-man, one person with two natures, At the end of his earthly ministry, he willingly laid down his life on the cross. His life was not taken. He gave it. And on the cross, this perfect person 
offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God, died on the cross, again, satisfying God's wrath on the cross, died on the cross, went to heaven, went to paradise, and then three days later, bodily raised from the dead, he walked out of that tomb, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. The only way to be saved is to repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and place your trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is something you do not understand. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of sorrow over sin. It is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 13, for the full context. But Paul makes a statement, I believe it's in verse 11, he says, There is a worldly sorrow that leads to death, but a godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation. A worldly sorrow is nothing more than a guilty conscience. What would happen to me if my sin were exposed? What would be the consequences to me? And so we try to cover up our sin, not because we grieve over it, but because we don't want the consequences of it. And so we try to cover it up. That's a worldly sorrow that leads to death. But a godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation. What is this godly sorrow? A godly sorrow, Kenneth, is what you emphatically do not have. A godly sorrow is that sorrow that is vertically oriented. A godly sorrow is that sorrow that comes when we grieve over our sin because we understand that our sin grieves God. And we do not want to grieve Him. We do not want to grieve His person. And so we grieve over our sin. It's not that a Christian cannot sin. Christians can and do stumble into sin. But true Christians don't swim in it. They don't relish it. They don't look for opportunities to sin. When a true Christian sins, it grieves him. Kenneth, you have been sinning with reckless abandon. Without any prick of conscience. This may be your last chance. In all likelihood, it will be the last time I've made others. In all likelihood, it will be the last overture I make to you directly. You don't have a godly sorrow. But if you truly want to be saved, if if your conscience, if by some chance there is something, some soft place left in your conscience, and when your head hits the pillow at night and you're worried that you aren't going to go to heaven when you die, then I would encourage you to get real honest before God. Cry out to Him. Confess your sins to Him. If you truly grieve over your sin, if you will come to that place of grieving over your sin, you and Gloria both, and anyone working for KCM, if you'll cry out to Him in true godly sorrow, He will save you. He will. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. It's good and it is right to want a Savior from hell. It's good. We should want to flee the wrath to come. But just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, we should want a Savior from sin. The person who wants a Savior from hell, but does not want a Savior from sin, has a Savior from neither. Come to Christ, Kenneth. Confess your sins before him. 
if you grieve over your sin, if you grieve over what you've done, all the millions of people who have followed you over all these many decades, if you grieve over the reproach that you have brought upon the name of Christ, if you truly grieve over it, there's hope. Come to Christ. And if you truly come to Christ in real repentance, that will be evidenced by real fruit, genuine fruit. John the Baptist said, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The Apostle Paul in Acts 26 said, so King, King Agrippa, I kept declaring that all men everywhere should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Real repentance bears real fruit. Zacchaeus kind of fruit, Luke chapter 19. When Zacchaeus said, I'll give half of what I own to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone, I will repay it four times over. That's real repentance. That bears real fruit. So here's what the real fruit of your real repentance would look like, Kenneth. If you're truly repentant and you truly get saved, then you'll recognize that you're not qualified to be in the ministry. And you'll shut your ministry down. And you'll liquidate the assets and you'll give it to doctrinally sound ministries. You can't possibly repay everyone that has sown a seed into your ministry. I get that. You can't do that even if you wanted to. If you truly get saved, you will want to, but I understand you won't be able to. But you can shut your ministry down, give all the assets to some doctrinally sound ministries, doctrinally sound churches. You'll realize you're not qualified to be behind the pulpit. So you'll find a good doctrinally sound church, you and Gloria, and submit yourself to the leadership of those biblically qualified men, and you'll sit in the pew in front of the pulpit, and you'll learn. That's what real repentance would look like. I'm not saying you have to do those things in order to be saved. But if you truly do get saved, those things are what you will want to do. That will be the cry of your newly regenerate heart. And that is what I want for you. Anyone else watching who has heard that gospel presentation? Same message. Same message for you. So, all right. Okay, dear ones, thank you very much for watching. I know it's been a bit of a long video, a lot in here, but uh, I want people saved. I want people to come out of the deception. And that's what salvation is. It is deliverance out of darkness into light, out of deception into truth. Thank you very much for watching, dear ones. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all. You know what else that's settled in tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that...